Amen. I hope that's the choice that you've made. It's a choice I made a long time ago, and I haven't regretted it. I'm going to serve the Lord. How about you? I'm going to worship Him. Today is a special day. We, we're going to be in John chapter 3 this morning. John chapter 3. We have a child dedication service uh, that we're going to be taking part in. So I'll try not to be too long-winded this morning. That I, I won't make any promises. But uh, God help me to say what needs to be said. You got all afternoon to take it easy. We're here for a little while this morning. Let's focus in on the Lord. Let's worship Him. Let's keep our minds on Him. See what God would speak to you this morning. I believe God wants to speak. I've been stirred all week long. We, we've uh, been in the Gospel of John off and on. And I didn't plan it this way, uh, but we're having a, a, a child dedication service this morning. Uh, but we're going to talk about becoming a child of God. And the only way you can become a child of God is to be born again. To be born again. So we're going to talk about the new birth this morning. We're going to talk about a conversation that Jesus had with a, a fascinating man. I'm going to tell you right off the bat that the more I uh, have learned about Nicodemus, the more I have come to love him. He is probably, uh, outside of Jesus and the apostles, he's probably my favorite Bible character. And uh, I've spent a number of years now studying the Gospel of John, and uh, Nicodemus is mentioned three times in the Gospel of John. There's, there's three times he's mentioned. We're going to look at the first encounter this morning that he has with Jesus. All right. Are we there in John chapter 3, verse 1? <clears throat> there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. The wind blows where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but cannot tell whence it cometh or whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, Are thou a master of Israel, and knowest not these things? And I'm going to stop there. I want to preach this morning on this subject. You must be born again. I ask our uh, dear friend, Pastor Larry Allen, if he will offer God's blessing upon the preaching of the word this morning. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you. We have the opportunity to 
studied this very important passage in the Bible. And we pray, Father, that it would be a real experience for each one of us as we consider our own salvation. And Father, we pray that if there's anybody here today that is not saved, yes. that they will pay close attention to this passage because it has the, the, the message that we need to hear yes. in order to make that decision. Father, we pray that you'd just be with us today. Bless this service. Bless our pastor. Yes. Bless those that will be dedicated today. And we pray, Father, that you'd help each one of us yes. to make our homes into Christian homes. Yes. We can only do it with your help. Yes. Lord, lead us in, in our service. Yes. So we pray in thy name. Amen. Amen. We start out and we learn three things right off the bat. First of all, there's a man and we learn his name. His name is Nicodemus. He's a historically attested figure. The rabbis say that Nicodemus was one of the three wealthiest men in Judea. We also learn that he was a Pharisee. Now, usually when we say that, we say it with a negative uh, connotation. But the Pharisees were a group of theological conservatives. And they were very passionate for the word of God. We learn a third thing about him. And that was, he was a ruler of the Jews. That means that he was part of the Sanhedrin. He was one of the 70, uh, he was part of the Jewish Supreme Council. Uh, they Think of them as the Supreme Court of Israel. They uh, not only had religious power, but they had political power as well. So he was a, a mighty man. And it says that he came to Jesus by night. Now, uh, a lot of people have speculated about what this means that uh, Nicodemus came to Jesus by night. But often in John's gospel, I'm sorry, I'm so moved this morning. I feel this so strong in my spirit. I feel this so strong in my spirit. God, I just praise you this morning. I just worship you. I just worship you. There's somebody here today desperately needs to hear this message. You must be born again. I want us to examine our hearts and our minds and our lives. I can't express to you what I'm feeling right now. I wish that I could. I can't put it into words. <laughs> Night in the, in, the, in the Gospel of John is often synonymous with spiritual darkness. Nicodemus, he's, he's a wealthy man. He's a powerful man. He's a ruler of the Jews. But he is in spiritual darkness. He does not perceive spiritual truth. He doesn't understand it. He's got everything that the world has to offer. But there's something, there's this nagging thing inside of him. And he knows that he needs to be born from above but he doesn't understand how to get there and how it's going to come about now he comes to Jesus and he says we know that you're a teacher come from God and that no man can do these miracles that you do except God be with him okay now that's true but it's an insufficient understanding of who Jesus is see He's not simply just a teacher. He's not just a miracle worker. 
He is the eternal Son of God. He's the Messiah. Now, we are often victims of the fact that we read the Bible uh, by chapter and verse division. But when the Bible was first composed, there were no chapter and verse divisions. So back up with me to chapter 2. If you remember in chapter 2, Jesus turned the water into wine. And then he went to Jerusalem. And there he cleansed the temple. And they, they uh, disputed with him. And remember what Jesus said to him? He said, destroy this temple, and in three days I'll raise it up again. Remember that? Now, if you pick up at the end of chapter 2, Verse 23 says, Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover, in the feast day, many believed in his name. What, why? They saw the signs that he did. And then chapter 3 begins. It says that there, now notice in verse uh, 24, it says, Jesus did not commit himself unto them because he knew what? All men. And he needed not, to, and he should testify of man, for he knew what was what? In man. Then chapter 3 begins with, there was a man of the Pharisees. And he comes, and what does he talk about? He talks about the signs. He says, no man can do the signs. And Jesus just cuts right to the chase. He doesn't engage him about the signs. He doesn't accept the flattery. Uh, he simply says, Nicodemus, unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, that seems like a non sequitur. You know, Nicodemus didn't say anything about the kingdom of God, did he? But he's like a lot of our friends, you know. They'll call us, and we haven't heard from them in 20 years. And they'll say, hey, how you doing? I just had you on my mind today. And then the conversation will roll around, and then eventually they'll get to the point, and they'll say, well, I got this business opportunity that I want you to be a part of. And this is what's going on here. Nicodemus has come to Jesus with this flattery, and Jesus knows See, Jesus knows what's in Nicodemus' heart. He knows. What Nicodemus really wants to know is, how can I be a part of this kingdom? How can I experience this life that Jesus uh, talks about? And Jesus said, Nicodemus, you can't even see the kingdom of God until you've been born again, unless you've experienced a birth. Now, the word uh, born again here, it actually in the Greek means born from Above, it has to be a, a heavenly birth, a regeneration that comes from God alone. You cannot manufacture this. You can't make yourself, you can't wish your way into the kingdom. You have to be enlightened by the Spirit of God and quickened by the, uh, the anointing of the Spirit. Now he says, he says, unless you're born again, you can't even see the kingdom. You can't perceive it. You can't understand it. It's like an AM signal, uh, trying to receive an AM signal on an FM station. Can't do it. It's, it's impossible. The Bible says that the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God. They're foolishness unto him. Is that my grandson crying back there? 
We probably should have done the dedication first thing so they could have taken him out if he gets all fidgety and fussy. He's just acting like his papa. That's all right. I'll hold it against him. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, it's interesting because this phrase kingdom of God, it's not used in John a lot. It's used a lot in the synoptics. But John normally, he doesn't speak in kingdom nomenclature. He speaks of eternal life. That's what, that's what John uh, typically says. Now, Nicodemus asked him a question. And he says, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Now, we read this, and we think, well, Nicodemus is being obtuse. You know, he's, he's just so uh, simple-minded, he can't understand this. But listen, this is a ruler of the Supreme Council of the Jews... And what we'll find out later is he is Israel's greatest teacher. The man works in parables and riddles all day long. That's how the rabbis argue. The, the analogy is not lost on Nicodemus. He's, he's not trying to figure it out. Oh, can I go back into my mom's tummy? That is so ignorant and so arrogant for us to view Nicodemus as naive. He was a brilliant man. A lot of the Sanhedrin, they also had medical knowledge. They were bilingual, multilingual. Um, had knowledge of a lot of things. Nicodemus was not some obtuse individual. He understood the analogy. What he didn't understand was the process. How? You say, i got to be born again. How can I do it? You see, Nicodemus lives in a world of do's and don'ts. He operates by ritual, by right, by uh, formalities, traditions. This is the world that he lives in. And Jesus is giving him an analogy that he completely understands but doesn't he doesn't know how to bring it about. Now, uh, when a baby comes into the world, what role does the baby play in his birth? I didn't say his mom and daddy. Get your mind out of the gutter. <laughs> I said, what role does the baby play? None. You know, Brantley and Case, they had no choice in the matter. It was just the grace of God they were born into such a wonderful family. But they had no say in it. I know what y'all are thinking. Quit talking about your family. I'm sorry. My grandson's being dedicated today. You know, I don't want to bring him up. Brantley. But they played no role in their own birth. So it is with spiritual birth. You can't force your way into the kingdom. You can't will your way into the kingdom. Nicodemus, the analogy was not lost on him. He just didn't understand the process. And I thank God Nicodemus didn't say why. You know, I missed something in verse 2. Let me go back to it. This man, who is a brilliant man, who is a wealthy man, who is Israel's greatest teacher, comes to Jesus, and he does not address him as the carpenter from Nazareth, but he calls him rabbi. Wow. We could learn a lot about how to deal with people. Now, as far as Nicodemus is concerned, he doesn't know if Jesus is the Messiah. He's a teacher. He's a carpenter from Nazareth. But he calls him rabbi. You know, I wish we could get back to terms of respect in our country. You know, I know ladies don't like to be called ma'am anymore, but I still say it. And, and, uh, and sir, there's still, you know, we've lost that in our culture. But here we see Nicodemus, although humanly speaking, 
He's at the pinnacle of success, but he is humble enough to acknowledge Jesus as rabbi or doctor or um, reverend. Says a lot about him. You can tell a lot about a person by the way they treat other people. Especially those that can do nothing for them. It says a lot about a person. So Nicodemus asked him in the process, how can this be? And Jesus again says, verily, verily, I say unto thee. In the, in the Greek, it's amen, amen, legasu. This is a, uh, an emphatic statement where Jesus is saying, pay attention. I'm telling you something very important. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Well, oh boy. Let's have some fun with this one, shall we? This has been debated over the centuries. What in the world does it mean when Jesus says to be born of, of water and of the Spirit? Well, let me give you uh, several possible scenarios, and I'm going to give you the one that's right. You can laugh at that because, you know, preacher don't know everything, but uh, I'm going to give you the one that I think is best aligned with. Some people say, well, this is... Um, He's referring to John's baptism. Okay, John baptized with water, but he says there's coming one after me. He's going to baptize with the Holy Spirit. The only problem with that is you get to Acts chapter 19, and Paul runs up on some folks that have been baptized with John's baptism, but they're still not saved. You can read about that in your own time. Um, another way of looking at this is that he's contrasting natural birth with spiritual birth. And this is how I've always preached it, by the way. But I think it's wrong. Uh, the, the problem with that, the, the idea here is that when a woman's water breaks, you know, the, the baby's born, and the, the baby's in amniotic fluid. But the problem with that is that's not an idiom used in, anywhere in antiquity. I can't find anybody that uses that phrase, born of water, uh, in antiquity. The third view is that Jesus is talking about water baptism, Christian baptism. There's a real problem with that one. The problem with that one is it's an anachronism. You know what an anachronism is? Somebody knows. You know, but you don't want to say it. It's something that's out of sequence and out of time. Let me give you an example of an anachronism. It would be like watching Andy Griffith, and all of a sudden Barney comes riding up in a Tesla talking on a cell phone. If you see Barney Fife riding around in a Tesla talking on a cell phone, you know that there has been some editorial changes. It's out of sequence, right? Nicodemus would not have envisioned Christian baptism because nobody was baptizing Christians. By the way, if you're a Christian, you ought to be baptized. I'll just get that in there. <laughs> Thank you, Sister D. Now, we don't baptize babies, okay? That's why we're dedicating them. We don't baptize babies. But if you're a believer... You ought to be baptized. And you say, well, I got all kinds of... The thief on the cross wasn't baptized. Well, he hardly had time, did he? <laughs> you know, the sand and the hourglass was running out for that fella. But, but you know, we'll talk about... I, I'm meddling now. Stop, Henry. Stop meddling. Okay, let's, let's keep going. Let me give you the other alternative, which I think is the correct one. Now, how many of you have a King James Bible in here? This is not a test for fellowship here. You can read out any translation as long as it's a good one. If you're reading out the King James Bible, you'll notice in verse 5 the word of is in italics. That means it was supplied by the translator, 
it was not in the original manuscript. So the way it reads in the King James, it sounds like it's two different baptisms. It's a baptism of water and a baptism of the Spirit. But I believe what it really is, is a hendiasis. And you're all looking at me like, what in the world is a hendiasis? And I didn't know until earlier this week, when I did extensive research on hendiasis, which means I Googled it. <laughs> what did we do without Google? I don't know. You may not know what hendiasis is, but you use it all the time. Use it all the time. Let me give you the Merriam-Webster definition of hendiasis. It is the expression of an idea by the use of usually two independent words connected by the word and, such as nice and warm. We do that all the time, don't we? Outside, it's nice and warm. It doesn't mean that it's nice right now and then later on it'll be warm. It means there's two things describing the same event. Uh, we do it with verbs sometimes. We'll say, I'm going to go and visit my grandmother. It doesn't mean that I'll go and then later on I'll visit. They both describe the same thing. So I believe that this baptism of water and spirit is spirit baptism. It is the same thing. And, and, if, and I wanted some further proof on that. So I got to looking through the Gospel of John, and I noticed that Jesus used water in connection with the Spirit. When he meets the woman at the well, he says, if you ask of me, I'll give you something to drink. The water from this well, it'll run out, but the water that I give you will spring up into life everlasting. And then on the Feast of Tabernacles, later on, Jesus on the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles, in John chapter 7, he would say, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink and out of his belly or his innermost being shall flow rivers of what living water but this spake he of the spirit the holy ghost which they that believe on him should receive for the holy ghost was not yet given because that jesus was not yet glorified but he is now hallelujah so water and the spirit are synonymous they are um they shouldn't be viewed as two different things now if you have a different view that's okay uh you have the right to be wrong but uh <laughs> Also in Genesis, the, the opening of the Bible, right? We see that there was darkness upon the face of the deep, but what? The Spirit of God is brooding over what? The water, the face of the deep, okay? So Spirit and water are uh, themes of recreation or creation. Okay, verse 6. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. They, uh, this, this concept is as old as time. Again, we go back to Genesis chapter 1, and it says that God made the beasts of the earth after his kind, and cattle after their kind, and everything that creepeth upon the earth after its kind, and God saw that it was good, and everything reproduces after its kind. We know this. Apple trees don't produce oranges. Cats don't become dogs. Monkeys don't become people. Everything reproduces after its kind. Sons of Adam cannot produce sons from above. Sons of Adam can only produce sons of Adam. We can only produce natural people. Only God can produce spiritual children to be born from above. Verse 7, <laughs> Nicodemus must have, he must have had a real puzzled look on his face because Jesus said, don't be amazed, don't marvel, don't, 
Nicodemus is probably, you know, he's trying to process all this information. Imagine if it, imagine just for a moment, if you were able to have a conversation with God. I don't know how long this conversation lasted. Maybe five minutes, ten minutes, fifteen. Imagine, what if you had fifteen minutes to ask God anything you wanted to? Why did you make fire ants? <laughs> you know, we could go on and on and on with this thing, but I'm not going to. He's trying to process all of this information. And, and he knows. Again, he knows he's on the outside looking in. Here, he's got a real dilemma. He's Israel's teacher. He is a member of the Sanhedrin, a member of the Pharisees, and he's outside the kingdom, and he can't figure out how in the world to get in. Is that you today? You wondering? Do you sense that there's something greater in this? There's more to life than what you're living? He said, you must be born again. <laughs> and it's a real shame that that word born again, that phrase, has suffered so much. We, we've profaned it. I remember the song that was popular. You know, with your love, I'm born again. Remember that song that was out years ago? Uh, an auto company, you know, they, they start making a profit again. And they say, well, the Ford Motor Company has been born again. And we've... We've profaned a holy thing. You must be born again. That's the only way to be born from above. Verse 8, he says, The wind blows where it listeth. You hear the sound. You cannot tell where it's coming or where it goes. So is everyone that's born of the Spirit. Now, Jesus is making a play on words here. Because the word for wind and spirit is exactly the same word in Greek. It's pneuma. Same is true in Hebrew. Ruach. The Holy Spirit in Hebrew is the Ruach HaKadosh. It's the, wet, the wind of God, the breath of God, the breath of heaven. Wind and spirit are the same words both in Hebrew and in Greek. And I can only imagine that they're, they're probably sitting on top of the roof here and the wind begins to blow. Nicodemus begins to feel the breeze. And Jesus says, you don't understand, Nicodemus. It's just like the wind. You don't know where it's coming from. You don't know where it's going. But you can see the results of it. We can see what, we can see what the wind is able to produce. The wind is able to destroy, right? It's able to, um, to bring life to. So is everyone that's born of the Spirit. Verse 9. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, Notice again the question is not why, but how. How can this happen? How can, I, how can I solve my dilemma? It's beyond my capabilities as a teacher, as a Pharisee, as a member of the Sanhedrin. Now in verse 10, Jesus is going to teach us something else about Nicodemus. Jesus answered and said unto him, Are thou, now the King James says, Are thou the master of Israel? You don't see the, de the definite article in English, but in, in Greek, the definite article is there, and it literally reads, You are the teacher. 
How did Nicodemus first address Jesus? He says, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. Now Jesus has turned it around on him. And he says, are you, are you Israel's greatest teacher? And you don't understand these things? <laughs> are you a master of Israel? You know not these things. I want you to turn with me to the book of Ezekiel. It's, uh, it's after the Psalms and it's before the New Testament. I know you probably read Ezekiel in your daily devotions, so you don't need me to give you any help there. But turn with me, if you will, to Ezekiel chapter 36. Now, how is it that Jesus says Nicodemus ought to have known what this is about? I mean, after all, to be a member of the Sanhedrin, you had to memorize the Old Testament. To be a Pharisee meant that you would have poured over the Old Testament over and over and over again. You would have known the Torah like the back of your hand. Ezekiel 36. Are you there? Almost. I still hear some flipping. It's all right. I want you to see this. Ezekiel 36. All right. Look what God says to them in verse 24. He says, for I will take you from among the heathen, or that's the nations, the goyim. I will gather you out of all countries. I will bring you into your own land. Notice what God says. Then will I sprinkle, what? Clean water upon you, and you shall be clean from all your filthiness, and from all your idols I will cleanse you. A new heart also I will give you, and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will take away the heart of stone out of your flesh, the stone, stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. You see that? Nicodemus should have known what spiritual birth was. He should have known because it was predicted. But I want to ask you, have you been born again? Have you been born from above? I'm going to ask you to stand. Jesus said, no man can come to me unless the Father draws him. Is God dealing with your heart today? There's no other way. There's no other way to enter the kingdom but by the new birth. That is it. Just as you enter this world through a physical birth, the only way to enter the kingdom is through a spiritual birth. Now, now if Nicodemus had come to a Baptist preacher... And they said, how can these things be? You know what that preacher would have said? He would have said, just come to the altar and repeat after me. But that's not what Jesus said. That means that we cannot manipulate. We can't cajole. I can't twist your arm. I can't drag you to the altar. If I did, it wouldn't be any good anyway. Some of you might get saved on the way home tonight, this afternoon. I don't know. Later on in the evening, talking about this sermon with your family, you might just say, you know what, I realize I need to be born again. You know what, God will save you right where you are. He'll save you right where you are. But I would be remiss if I didn't give you an opportunity to come to this altar this morning. Just as you are. You don't have to join the church. You don't have to recite any creed. You come in sincere faith. You say, Jesus... I believe you're the son of God. I know I need to be born again. And I know I can't do this on my own. 
come and live in me. Send your Holy Spirit to me. Confess to God, I am a sinner in need of salvation. And you too can be born again. It may be here that some of you just need a fresh drink from the wells of salvation. And guess what? God's got an endless supply. If that's you, I invite you to come just as you are. God. Praise God. I'm going to ask Abby and AJ and Case and uh, Morgan and Ty and Brantley to come. You may be seated. If any of the family wants to move in closer to take pictures, you're welcome to do so. Um, during this time, get a better, better angle on things. I'm going to tell you what baby dedication is and what it's not, okay? Baby dedication is not a guarantee of salvation for these two children. It's not. What it is is a pledge by these two parents, sets of parents here, that they will raise these, these young men uh, in the nurture and the admonition and the fear of the Lord, and they will do so in such a fashion that when, if Jesus should tarry, they reach an age of accountability that they will need to know the need to be born again. And so that's what this is all about here today. And we are going to ask that God would put his hand of favor and grace upon these children and guide them 
And like Samuel, like young Samuel, the Bible says of Samuel that none of his words fell to the ground. That's my prayer for these two boys, is that when they, they, they're able to say their prayers, that they'll just go straight to the throne of God, that none of their words will fall to the ground, and that we will see them in the kingdom of God, that as they are dedicated this day as natural-born sons of their parents, that one day they will be born again, children of the Most High God. That is our desire. And I would ask you as a congregation that you would join us in this effort to help raise and nurture and bring them up in the ways of the Lord. So I'm going to ask each set of parents, and then I'm going to pray for each child individually, and I'll ask you to agree in prayer with me if you want to. Morgan and Ty, do you agree before God and before this congregation that you will bring Brantley up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord? And that when he reaches an age of accountability, that you will teach him the need to be born again and believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. All right. AJ and Abby, do you pledge before God and before this congregation that you will bring Case up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, that you will teach him to serve God. And when he reaches an age of accountability, that you will tell him his need to be born again and to believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. You've heard it, congregation, I'm going to ask you, if you will, friends and family, do you agree, pledge with us to help encourage and nurture these, these families to bring these children up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord? Would you do that? God bless you, and I thank you. I'm going to let Daddy hold Brantley, and I'm just going to pray for Brantley while his daddy holds him. Father, we pray for Brantley. God, we dedicate him to your service, to your kingdom, Lord. Father, that your hand will be upon him all the days of his life, God. Give him a wisdom far beyond his years. Not an earthly wisdom, but a wisdom that comes from God. Create in him a, a desire for the things of God. Lord, that he would be as Moses was, a proper child, Lord. Something different about him. That those around him would see the hand of God upon his life. Lord, uh, help him in, in all of the struggles that he's going to face as he grows into a young man, Lord. Help him to resist the temptations of the world. Help him not to follow after the things of, of the world and Satan, but that he might follow your Holy Spirit. We ask that you call him, that you would draw him near unto yourself, and that he would be born again when the time comes, Father God. And until that time, may your grace be with him. We ask in the name of Yeshua, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Case. Case, we pray for you. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for Case. We ask that your hand will be upon him. God, from this time forward, Lord God, that you, your special grace will be upon him. Give him a wisdom beyond his years. Let your hand of favor be upon him, that he would seek after the things of God and not the things of the world. God, that he would seek to lean on you in all the challenges of life, Lord, that he would call upon the name of the Lord, that he would look to you as the source of his strength and wisdom. Father, help these, these parents to raise him up. Lord, when the time comes, Father, I pray that you call him by the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, and that he would respond in faith and be born again. We ask these things, God, in the name of Jesus Christ and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thank you. Aren't these a good-looking boys? These are good-looking boys. Well, I love each one of you. And as, as Lynn was singing earlier about thank you, I can't tell you how much I appreciate each one of you. 
you mean the world to me. And I know we have visitors here today, and we're so glad you're here. Uh, for, for our regular church family, I want you to know how, how near and dear you are to my heart. I love you, and I appreciate you, and I thank you for your prayers. They mean the world. One of these days, folks, one of these days, we are going to stand before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And the only thing that's going to, be, that's going to matter, is going to make any difference, is what we did for the kingdom of God. And nothing you do for him is in vain. Nothing you do for him is in vain. Praise God. Praise God. All right, if y'all want to be seated, you can. Um, before we dismiss, we do have our sister Dee is here with us, and she's been such a faithful uh, worker in missions in our church for so long. Would you just say a few words about Annie Armstrong offering sister Dee? Would you like to say a few words about Annie Armstrong? See if I can get you a microphone. There we go. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor. I know we take up a lot of offerings in our Baptist churches, but there's a lot of need out there, and each one has a separate calling. It might be soap that you'll bring for the Christmas boxes that that we're finishing up to go to Operation Christmas Child. And I don't want you to feel badly, but you know, the uh, offering request comes for taking up something for Billy Graham's son's ministry, because it's a good ministry. And you'll see his airplane out there when there's a disaster somewhere in the world. He'll he's got doctors and nurses and and chaplains and other folks that are gonna go with him on that on that plane to wherever the disaster strikes, whether it's Kentucky or whether it's in Vietnam or whatever. As a matter of fact they would they they've taken a load over to uh Gee, where is it? Russia's bombing every day. The you uh, right, Ukraine. That poor little country wants to be its own boss, wants to have its own government, its own president. And they have, and have done it well for years now, since it pulled away from Russia. If you're a Russian immigrant and you're in this house. I beg your apology if, if that offends you. But people want to live in freedom. That may be the reason you're here. It may not be. I happen to like, like where I live. I like having a chance to vote for the president, vote for the senator, and the congressman that will make laws and carry them out. And that will follow the Lord. 
I would remind you that your bulletin says Annie Armstrong Easter offering for home. Well, it says America Mission, that's home missions. We'll be taking this up off until Easter gets here, and I'm gonna have I've, uh, I'm gonna have different people emphasize a part of the Easter offering. Annie Armstrong was a mighty little woman. She was a good friend of Fanny Heck, the, the North Carolina lady who led us here in North Carolina. And they didn't always agree on everything. In fact, like women do, sometimes they just get real like a vein with one another. And they did. But God used that to refine both of them. And it wasn't women that chose to name the home uh, home offering after after her. It was men. Thank you, God. God, you're so smart. I want to tell you that Annie Armstrong and Fanny Heck, or did I say this? 